0: and welcome to Heroes of the Galaxy, a limited series where we celebrate the women of the Star Wars universe. My name's Millicent and each episode I'm joined by a special guest to talk about the story and legacy of a female character from the movies, games, books and more. Now I just, I really need to apologise because it has been so long since we've put an episode out of Heroes of the Galaxy you know, COVID and lockdown and just general like world ending things going on. I think, you know, like a lot of people, it really got the better of me. I had a few wobbles, let's say. And also university started again, I've got a new job and I just got a little overwhelmed and my beautiful baby podcast suffered a little. So I'm really sorry that you guys had to wait so long, but rest assured, new episodes are coming and we have some amazing, amazing guests on their way. So thank you so much for sticking with us. One other thing that's very exciting that I wanted to share before I introduce my beautiful guest is that this episode is kindly sponsored by our very good friends at Super Yaki, the most amazing, wholesome film community on the internet who do amazing merchandise for all of the best films that you love. From super soft t-shirts honoring the cinematic masterpiece that is Spy Kids, to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's leading lady. And they even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Our personal favorite is their gorgeous, adorable Baby Yoda pin, which we would recommend. And hey, that pin could be yours because Superyaki.com have very, very kindly shared with us a special code for Heroes of the Galaxy listeners. So if you head to Superyaki.com, throw a few of your favorite things in your basket and use this code at the checkout, you can have 10% off your order. So the code is superfriend, all one word, S-U-P-E-R-F-R-I-E-N-D, that's superfriend. Be sure to use that at Superyaki.com for 10% off. And thank you so much to our friends over there for sponsoring this episode. It's such a pleasure to know you and the work you do and yeah, just spreading the good vibes all around. So without further ado, I'm so excited to introduce this episode's guest. She is a living legend when it comes to Clone Wars knowledge. And I know this episode isn't about Clone Wars, but you know, I just had to throw that out there because that is exactly what she is known for. So, this episode, we are kindly joined by the lovely Alani Vargas. She is an entertainment journalist, currently on staff as a writer for Showbiz Cheat Sheet, and she is also a contributor at the AV Club. We're going to be talking all things the women of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. That's right, the EA video game that came out just last year. If you haven't played it, Fair warning that we do go into spoiler territory for the game to talk about some of the character journeys that we meet along the way. So if you wanna play it first, before you listen to this episode, you have had your official warning, okay? Let's get going. In Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, we meet three prominent women characters, Sir Junda, the second sister Trilla Suduri, and the Knight sister of Dathomir, Merin. Sir Junda was a former Jedi Knight, who in fact mentored the young Trilla Suduri before she turned to the dark side and became a second sister. At one time serving under Jedi Master Eno Cordova, when we meet her, Sir has dedicated herself to the secret restoration of the Jedi Order, but keeps herself cut off from the Force. We find Merin on Dathomir, where she is one of the few survivors of General Grievous's massacre of the Knight Sisters during the Clone Wars. She is protective and guarded, but eventually joins Seer and Calkestis on their journey. So, without further ado, let's get talking to our guest about these three exciting characters. Hi, Alani. Thank you so so much for coming on the podcast. I'm very excited to have you. I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> So let's just start getting right into it. What was your first experience with the Star Wars universe?
1: Um, I grew up with Star Wars. Like there is not a time that I remember where I don't like I did where I didn't know what Star Wars was. Um, My parents were like super into it. Like I grew up with like the gold box VHS set of the (laughs) original My parents were really big on bringing all of us kids to movies. So I'm the oldest. So I guess it started with me. But um, so they took me to go see Phantom Menace when it came out in 99. So I was like three, I think. <laughs> and I like I actually fell asleep before the main the the main duel. <laughs> um, but I do remember waking up to see Darth Maul being cut in half. So like that was great to see as a three-year-old. But Quite the wake-up call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so since then, that's kind of like, I've just been hardcore fan like ever since.
0: So have you like rewatched the pre? Why am I even asking if you've rewatched the prequels a lot? You rewatch Revenge of the Sith like every other day.
1: <laughs> uh yes, yes, yes. Um, I mean, so <laughs> it's like my personality. I'm like a serial rewatcher. Like if I mm. like something, like I've watched the Buffy series, like like from season one through season seven, like so many times. Like I've rewatched like my favorite. Clone Wars arcs so many times, like, that's just how I am, which is, like, kind of hard with what I do, because I'm, try- I have to, like, watch new things, and sometimes it's, like, a push to do that, but yes, I re-watch Revenge of the Sith, um, quite often, and honestly, <laughs> I watch it more than I broadcast, so. Oh, <laughs> my my told me to stop posting it on my Instagram, and honestly, like, I really haven't not done it, but, like, there are times where I watch it, and I'm like, you know what, this doesn't need to go on the story today, but yes, I watch <laughs> it often.
0: So because those are the ones that you saw in the cinema and kind of like awakened your fandom with the Star Wars, um, is that like the reason you watched them the most, do you think? Are those the ones you love the most because of those reasons?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, so I obviously watched the originals first, but because I was so young, they all were like kind of intertwined. So they were all Mm -hmm. like all six of them, I guess, by the time I was 10, like they were like my Star Wars. Um, but, like, my favorite character was Darth Vader, and then, like, I watched the prequels, and then it became, like, Anakin and Padme were like, my two faves. So, yeah, I just, like, Anakin's story to me is, like, so tragic and just so, like, I don't know, I'm just so emotionally invested, like, in his journey from Anakin to Darth Vader, and I feel like the prequels, especially Revenge of the Sith, just really, like, capture that in a way that, like, hits home or hits me hard, like, every time I watch it.
0: Yeah. And when, obviously, the sequels came about in 2015, what was it like for you getting to relive that kind of excitement in the big screen again?
1: It was very exciting. I think, so, I think the first one came out, what was it, 2016, I think. So either way I was I think I was already in college and so it was just a nice way for me to like come home a week for a weekend um because I didn't live far but I think by that point I you know was trying to stay at my dorm more but so it was just nice like come home and like have this huge like cinematic event and like go to the cinemas or the theaters like with my family um like I said before like we're a huge like theater family and so like going to the movie theaters is like awesome and so seeing that again and like I remember watching the trailer I was just like it was never in my because like obviously we had Clone Wars up until like 2012 or 2013 um but still like it was never like in my mind that like more trilogies could come so it was like yeah it was like mind-blowing to like have like Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill again and like um yeah just to see all of them again was like it was like yeah it was mind-blowing honestly
0: I love that. So it's being a fan and getting to see the sequels again obviously your family being a big part of that what would you say is your favorite part about being in the kind of Star Wars community?
1: I think just like seeing everyone's different opinions. I mean not necessarily like the bad ones or like the stuff that starts bad discourse or whatever but like just like seeing people get excited um i think is like my favorite thing because i get very excited by it like on my tumblr and like on twitter and just like even just like yeah just seeing just different video edits or just like people just really excited i think just like the excitement is what gets me and like i've been to galaxy's edge and like just like being there and like being with like other fans and whatever it's like insanely powerful
0: Oh my god I'm so jealous like I've (laughs) never ever been to any Disneyland and that's like a goal and I remember watching do you know Kelsey Impeach K from BuzzFeed? Yes. So she's like my favorite person in BuzzFeed and she did this vlog where she went to Galaxy's Edge and like the minute she walked in I was literally just watching this at YouTube vlog and I started crying. (laughs) I was just like I would kill to be there and to make a lightsaber and to be in that world and I would do anything to go to Galaxy's Edge. But my friend was really fortunate to go. And she like sent me a little care package of like a coaster from the cantina and some like pin badges. And I was like sobbing.
1: It actually, I guess, ties into what we're going to talk about today. But I was able to go to like a preview event for Fallen Order. And they were holding it at Galaxy's Edge in California. And so I was there by myself. I wasn't with my family. And it was like super emotional. (laughs) And then I was just getting, I was getting emotional because it's like, if you're a major Star Wars fan, like me and you, like, I can guarantee you're going to cry when you get there. (laughs) (laughs) I was just walking around and it just, like, hit me. And I was just like, this is real. Like, there's a TIE fighter there. And there's, like, there's, like, all of this stuff. And, like, people were walking around with lightsabers. Like, people were just, like, having lightsaber fights. They didn't know each other. Like, (laughs) it was, and so I just started bawling. Like, I had to go into a bathroom and, like, cry. And I was just, like, on the phone with my mom. She was, like, well, you know you were like traveling or whatever i was like yeah but i really wanted you guys to be there so it was like it was like you know it's like very emotional if you're a star wars fan but then also just like to share it with like your family it's yeah cool. but you go back with them yes we were supposed to go this coming summer but oh. that's not happening but it's okay we'll go next summer
0: hopefully. i'm sure of it okay so like you said we it's a nice little segue as well into the fact that this episode is going to be talking about the incredible women of the video game Jedi Fallen Order. So we have our three main female characters, which are the Knight Sister Merrin, ex-Jedi, Seer, Junda, and the Empire's second sister. So just, you know, for everyone who hasn't played it, this is your warning now because there will be a lot of spoilers. And let's just start with talking about your first impressions of the women in this game. You know, let's, let's go like Seer, uh, Trilla, and Merrin, and let's just talk through what we think of them on like a base level,
1: mm-hmm. yeah? Let's yeah. start with
0: Sir, because we meet her first when she rescues Cal from Braca, right? What did you think of Sir Junder?
1: Um, I honestly was just, like, so invested in Cal's story that, like, it was kind of jolting. I was like, oh my goodness, like, she's also a Jedi, like, or, like, maybe a Jedi, we don't really know, like, it was very, yeah, I don't know, it was very cool, and she was very, like, I don't even know what the word is I want to use but when she came on the scene she was just like super knowledgeable very there to help him but then also kind of just like we're in this to do like business like you know so that was kind of my first impression of her um yeah kind of just like coming out of nowhere also like can we trust her like who is she yeah yeah
0: she seemed very steadfast like you say like she doesn't take any kind of she, she, when Cal's kind of like not sure about things she won't have it you know she's very much like it's this way or it's this way there's no room for like doubt like she she knows that because she you know she knows the force which <laughs> we find out later <laughs> right. um but obviously so she's an ex-Jedi which means that she severed her connection to the force and we know that but we don't know why for quite some time and I'm just wondering if you know when she kind of hints that she used to be a part of this kind of group what did you think might have been the possible reasons that she left the jedi because you know the jedi very well from the clone wars and yeah. we know they're not perfect people right <laughs> yes yes And this is all like past order 66 for anyone who doesn't know <laughs> <laughs> yes and honestly like i've always been a
1: little bit more pro dark side in a weird Ooh. way okay <laughs> so but yeah like she was hinting at that, and, like, well, I mean, she obviously was an ex mm-hmm. She was, like, hinting at different th- things, and, like, um, I don't, you know Ahsoka's story? I don't want to give anything away, because you're not, you're not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to it, I'm getting to it, but, you know, I, I feel like I know a lot about her already, just from, like, Twitter and stuff. Okay, but, well. i thought sure even if you did spoil something for me, it'll still be astounding when I watch it.
1: Oh, it will be, for sure. <laughs> well, like, so, like, to me, Ahsoka's story, like you know, she ends up leaving the order. Okay. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> um, and, you know, part of the reason with that, or even just looking at why Anakin had problems with it, like, they, the, the, I don't know, like, just the way that they structured and the way that they deal with emotions, it's, like, not, like, really, it, any sane human, like, really wouldn't be able to follow the code very well. And so maybe, thought maybe like that could do with it um the council and like the jedi itself like kind of were losing their way and like from where they originally started um as jedi knights as just being peacekeepers, and then now they're like generals in a freaking civil war like Mm. so yeah there's like a lot and also we at that point we didn't know like at what point in her life did she leave like how long was she gone like did she complete her trials, like, was she a Jedi Knight, like, I must, like, she was because she had a Padawan, but like, I don't know, like, we didn't know, you know,
0: necessarily,
1: right, I, and, and then she tells us eventually what happened.
0: Yeah, and I think what happens between her and second sister is really interesting, so both Sy and her Padawan, who was then called Trilla, who is revealed to be the second sister that we're fighting at the very beginning, um, were caught and tortured by the Empire, And Trilla succumbed to the dark side while Seer escaped and then decided to sever her connection with the force because she felt she was tempted to go to the dark side as well. And I find it really interesting that Trilla makes it very, very clear in every encounter that she blames Seer for what happened, Mm -hmm. that she blames her for her going to the dark side and for leaving her behind because she calls her like weak and, you know, that she gave in and she actually exposed the location of the younglings and her padawan, which is why they were caught to begin with and that's something that Sia carries with her throughout like the whole thing right and you can tell she she has a really weird relationship to the force and that she blames herself for what happened but also in some ways blames the force for what happened because she felt you know tempted like she killed people with the dark side when she was kind of stressed in that moment and i'm just you know what what are your thoughts on kind of a person's relationship with the force in that sense that? something would, so horrible would happen that you would literally leave it behind and maybe you would have a better life without it in some ways.
1: Yeah, I mean like, so like the way that the Jedi's like connection to the Force, like if she didn't sever herself, like she would always feel connected some way to you know, whoever her former master was, like any, if she ever like had any more Padawans, like I feel like she also might have just not felt worthy, and I know like there's a lot of conflicting emotion because she might not have felt worthy but then also she was just like it's this bad entity that made me do like all this stuff but I feel like there's just so many conflicting emotions and I feel like cutting yourself off from the force which we find out that certain characters also do after Order 66 <laughs> um like it's just a way to like deal with that trauma yeah. um which you know what Sierra went through was like bad It's it wasn't Order 66 bad I guess but it was you know Well, it it was post-Order 66, right?
0: Yeah, so I think it was, like, when they were kind of hunting the Jedi, trying to just wipe them out in, like, maybe the wake of it all, which they were still doing when it came to the story in Jedi Fallen Order. They're still hunting down, like, the last four sensitive younglings, aren't they?
1: Yeah, and I think that's what's so great, like, about the Ahsoka novel, is it kind of dives into the PTSD that people, like, that these Jedi, or, like, anyone who survived Order 66, went through um and it, it goes into it a lot more than I think anything we've seen so far which is why I'm excited for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series because it's supposed to talk about his trauma um and how he's dealt with it because it's like a big thing and I feel like that's something you know there's only so much you can do in a movie so I'm not faulting any content that we've gotten but um it's really I really enjoyed seeing that um in the Ahsoka novel and like seeing that through Seer as well um
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah I think it's like a super it's a it's a new point of view, I guess, um, which is why I'm ex- very happy that they chose this point in the timeline to look at because it hadn't it hadn't really been looked at a ton up until Fallen Order. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think what you say about the whole trauma PTSD side of it is really interesting because um, so you play as this protagonist, Cal Kextis, um Cal Kestis? His name is really hard to say. Um, who, you know, was a Padawan who lost his master during Order 66. And that is traumatic in itself. You know, he watched his master die in front of him as the clone troopers. Like five minutes before it happened, he high-fived a clone trooper. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's just a, a little youngling just learning the ways. And to kind of go through that and then to, to meet Seer, who has that kind of collective trauma, not the same, but... In a similar time frame and um similar kind of causes you know her's, her trauma comes from the force and his trauma comes from training and things like that and then to come together and then obviously later on we have Meryn join the kind of crew on um the mantis
1: mm-hmm.
0: I I really like their relationship for a while and say being an older character as well which is amazing in itself like I think the actress is 57 so like mm-hmm. an older woman character with this kind of um, dimension and past is fantastic and then she kind of almost feels like not a mother character but very much like this wise older authority figure so like maybe like Charles Xavier or something like that that's the kind of vibe I got of her at first like she knew things she just wasn't like she was very cold at the start but then I don't know it's it is really nice to have characters that can come together with separate traumas and find healing through that mm-hmm. yes but one thing I want to ask you being a kind of Clone Wars Jedi Order 66 expert is the fact that Cere is dedicating her life to restoring the Jedi Order right and she's following the trail of her own master know, Cordova with the help of Cal. Do you think she's right to be restoring the Jedi Order? Do you think that is the right thing to do like she's dedicating her life to this?
1: Yeah I think that's a tough question that we've seen so many characters or I guess a few characters kind of deal with like you know Luke tried to do it um but like there are also other characters like we see in Star Wars Rebels like with Kanan and Ezra like that's not a hundred percent like their goal and it's not something we ever see Ahsoka want to do or talk about doing so I, I mean she's not really Jedi at that point but like she's in her novel she's also privy to like a like for sensitive children um and she has that kind of thought at first and like we never really see that go anywhere we don't there's also a big chunk of her life that we don't know what she does um so who knows but i think the where the Jedi went wrong was where they strayed away from being peacekeepers like what we're going to see with the new High Republic era coming out um, later this year, it's, like, we're going to see the Jedi, like, at their purest, like, pure, quote-unquote. Like, they're doing what they were meant to do, like, what the Jedi were created to do, which is, like, kind of be, like, these sheriffs, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, they're not supposed to be picking a side. Like, they're supposed to be doing all this stuff. And, like, they strayed when they picked the Republic side or, like, when they picked – Doing that, and then they went on to being like generals and like you know, killing people in war, and like mm-hmm. they were mostly fighting droids, but still, it's the concept of like war, like the <laughs> antithesis of peace. Um, so I guess if she, I guess it kind of just depends how you go about it in terms of like wanting to restore, I don't think it's wrong, um, especially if you're going to do it like with its like original intentions at the heart of what you're choosing to do um but yeah it's definitely a tough question because we've seen it fail um <laughs> and yeah I, I mean I would be interested to see I mean obviously we know it doesn't necessarily like pick up but like you know if Ray were to ever do that or if maybe there were pockets within the galaxy that succeeded maybe there's like a whole bunch of you know like a whole bunch of like a little sector that survived and like they're training more Jedi. So like who knows? Um but yeah I think that's like super tough to like look at. But yeah. Yeah. I guess it I just guess. Depends, all depends around like intentions.
0: Yeah for sure. Because like you say its original intentions were very much a kind of keeping a balance. And that's even you know Luke in the last Jedi he says that's literally what a Jedi is about, but that's not what it is anymore. So we can't bring them back. And like you say, it's when they became almost attached to the Republic. So they were no longer a separate entity to like the reigning government. They were complicit and allies of whoever was in power at that time, which doesn't, even saying it out loud, it doesn't feel what a Jedi should be at all. Like they shouldn't be working with any sort of governments, you know?
1: <laughs> no, and I think we saw that, I think the most perfect example is in the most recent Clone Wars season, when Ahsoka is trying to help the people in Mandalore keep peace, and Oban Kenobi is trying to be super bureaucratic and like go through the council, and Ahsoka's getting annoyed because she's like, you're choosing politics, like you're choosing to go save Palpatine over thousands of however many people live on this planet. And then she, you see that she had already gone through people, like she had made friends with people who had been snubbed by the Jedi, Um, and, like, their parents killed because of the Jedi's, the Jedi wanting to fight, like, bounty hunters or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think that's the most perfect example, because she gets into a fight with Obi-Wan, which was a great thing to see. And also, she was kind of just, like, reading in the right act, and she was, like, right. (laughs) She was, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're going politically, like, you're going the political route when people need your help, and this is what we're here to do. Like, this is what you should be using the Force for.
0: Yeah. And I'd like to think that Cal and Seer have learned that through their journey. And maybe obviously we know we're getting a sequel somewhat. I, I know there's going to be another one. I don't know if it's going to pick up like on that same journey, but I'd love to see. I don't know if I'd love to see them succeed, but I'd love to see what they plan to do. Like you, it's all well and good saying we're going to rebuild the Jedi Order. But like, what are you going to do when it's rebuilt? What's the plan with that, I guess? And it's interesting as well. Having Trilla, so first of all Trilla is like my favorite character ever. I think when I was playing it I was like live tweeting it a little bit and just like throwing out some opinions here and there and when you first, I think it's the second time you fight her, I think it's maybe on Kashyyyk or something, when she like flies down with her jewel red lightsaber and her mask on and that cape I was just like okay yeah I'm in love, I'm in love with her, I'm I'm so in love with her. (laughs) She's so cool and so powerful and gorgeous and amazing. And I am i would join the dark side for Trilla. There's, um, there's something about the dark side. There's <laughs> something about the dark side, honestly. And I think if she, she obviously succumbed to the dark side through kind of a torture process, but she's like risen the ranks. She's an Inquisitor now and she very much remembers what happened to her. She remembers how it happened. She remembers what Sare did to betray her. And she's kind of putting this stuff in Carl's head, like, what, you don't think she'll betray you as well? You, you know, this is what the Jedi do. They, they, they say one thing and do another. So Trilla, in some ways, given her reasons, was maybe right to go to the dark side, I guess? <laughs> like, you say you are very kind of leaning into that. I'm wondering if you could expand a little bit. So I'm not, I'm not pro-Sith. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm not like anti- yeah, the other way.
1: <laughs> I'm like, and you know, gray Jedi don't exist. um But we've seen kind of a midway point with Ahsoka a little bit. Um. So I think there is something to be said about the dark side. Um what they do is like they capitalize on the pain and hatred and they twist it and they intensify it and make you fuel yourself and your powers off of that hate which mm-hmm. i'm a fan of but um when i say that i enjoy the dark side a little bit more <laughs> uh, i mean my first fa- my favorite character used to be darth vader and he's still like high up there on the list um and i think there's just like a coolness to it but when you get down into like the ethical like whatever like of course, no, like, what they're doing is, like, not great, but, yeah, like, she's, she's pretty darn cool. (laughs) I know, I know.
0: She's, like, the one thing that would tempt me, but also, I feel like she's, I don't, this is really weird to say, and I know this is kind of wrong to say in some ways, but it almost does feel like she's justified in what she's doing, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, like,
1: yeah, and we've seen that, too, like, where, like, the Jedi have just, they were just so, They want to say clouded because Palpatine was clouding them with the dark side throughout most of the prequels. But, like, even within that, like, they were, you know, just going the wrong way. And they weren't, like, in their, like, original mindset, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. And so it can push anyone outside of it. Like, we saw with Anakin. Like, if they had just given him a little bit more love and care, I don't think he would have turned to the dark side they had given him a little bit of therapy instead of t- <laughs> instead of telling him no repress your feelings like repress it like no we've seen what happens when you f- let that fester like that's not healthy so yeah. like if they had just done certain things and been a little bit more human i mean i know there are a lot of aliens involved but like just a little bit more sympathy to the way people are feeling you know things could could have changed and she has a lot of justification um now the dark side takes that and like I said they're, they're twisted and whatever and like she's way off but you know there I can see why she feels certain ways and honestly I probably would in the situation as well
0: yeah and even in those last moments like uh, spoiler alert she dies in the game mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um like right before she's about to die seer does kind of take that chance and try to kind of reconcile with her for what happened and i think she says something like you know when she's about to be killed by darth vader she's like she implores cal and seer to avenge her to like rectify it so i'm wondering if maybe she kind through that kind of you know like sympathy and conversation and communication rather than the absolutes of bad or good that she's kind of seen okay This is what happened. We can't change it. There's no point in me being this way. And she's kind of imploring them to avenge her. And I'm wondering if by the avenging, she means fix it and bring the Jedi back, maybe? Like complete the journey? Because I thought avenge her like, oh, just killed off Vader because he killed me. Or is it like fix everything, you know?
1: I think, yeah, I think what you brought up is, yeah. I think when she says avenge, I think... I don't necessarily know if she's talking about bringing back the Jedi. Mm -hmm. I think it is more, like, within that context of, like, right here, right now, like, avenge this moment. It's possible also that all of that toxic, like, hate and pain that she's used as an Inquisitor, it's kind of gone, and she might not be at peace with, like, being with, with the Jedi or, like, with her experience still, but... Yeah, maybe just avenge just means in that present time.
0: Yeah, like kill Darth Vader.
1: (laughs) Yeah, or I mean, I think, I don't know if she would think that they would be able to kill him (laughs) because Darth Vader, but. I
0: mean, you could try, but you won't succeed, guys. Just give it your best shot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know necessarily. I haven't thought too much about what she meant by avenge. She's definitely terrified, as any sane person would be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't but I also I don't think it goes back to like rebuild the Jedi, but yeah. it'd be interesting to kind of see if they deal with that in the sequel, if mm-hmm. it's a direct sequel to Cal's Story.
0: Yeah, because if it is direct, I'm sure S gonna have some kind of feelings about watching her. Padawan die in front of her like that, yeah. like at the hands of freaking Darth Vader. I'd love to see how Seer deals with what just happened, and maybe how she interprets those words. Right. Because f- for from their relationship, what happened, and her cutting herself off from the Force, not seeing her for this long, and then to see what she's become, and then to watch her die in front of her, and she can't do anything about it. I feel like those words would stay with you. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Oh my God. Be quiet. <laughs>
0: She agrees, the cat agrees. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to see where they go next. But moving on to something very interesting that I am excited to learn more about. Um, so, Merin, uh, our third character, is a Night Sister. Yes. So, I've got a few notes, I've got some interesting quotes that I'd like to share. So, obviously, we know the Night Sisters are force wielders, but they're not Jedi or Sith. Which was really interesting to me because, you know, for a while I thought it was one or the other. You know, like you say, there's no like Grey Jedi, there's no kind of middle area, but some of their abilities can, you know, kind of in- involve spells and rituals. And I found this interesting quote from Asage Ventress, where she says about the Night Sisters, the Night Sisters know the dark side better than anyone. We grow up steeped in it, but we can use it as a tool and stay ourselves. Unlike the Sith, the balance is what you must learn. Which I think is really interesting because, like, they can use the dark side but they stay themselves and they find a balance. And I'm like, but the Jedi was all about balance. So are they similar in some ways to that? Um, But yeah, I just got really excited to learn about them. When you get to Dathomir, which is the most interesting and terrifying planet, every time I had to go back to that planet, I was like, please, please don't make me do this. (laughs) But it was so interesting, all the history of this kind of, any kind of Force user that isn't, a Jedi or a Sith or a Skywalker or a Palpatine or anything, I found so interesting. I think that's one of the reasons I love the game. It's just something we haven't seen and something very different. And, you know, there's kind of ancient history to it, but there's regular civilian stories and, like, the people affected by these huge stories we see on the big screen. And so you know the Night Sisters a little bit better from the Clone Wars and the Rebels. So why don't you introduce our listeners a little bit to their history and who they are?
1: Well, it's interesting that you called it the force that they use because I don't know if they ever said that but like from watching Clone Wars like they always just called them witches or like magic Mm. and now that makes sense that okay yeah they're manipulating the force in like their own way that they have rituals and like so it looks and acts different um but yeah introducing the Night Sisters. while we've seen Asajj Ventress from Clone Wars um she is such a cool character And yeah, they're not inherently bad. Like, yes, you had Mother Talzin who in the Clone Wars was their leader and she, they call her Mother Talzin and like, I'm unclear if she actually like is all of their biological mothers. (laughs) Probably not. But um, there's definitely like a very reverential way that they look to her. She's like the head of their tribe. Um, and so all of the women are separated from the men. Um the official name of their alien species is Zabrak, if that's how I say it correctly. Um it's also what Darth Maul is. Um they call it them- So Darth Maul is a night brother. See, yeah, and so that's what's weird to me when I was watching because I didn't finish this game, disclaimer. Um <laughs> so I was watching a lot of clips on YouTube. Um but, so it was really interesting to me that they were called Night Brothers, because I was like, that is not something that they ever used in Clone Wars, because they're just and, like, it's Darth Maul, and, like, in Clone Wars, it shows, like, the, I guess it's a matriarchal society, but they have them separated, so it's, like, all Ooh. of the males live somewhere else on the planet, looks a lot different than, like, where Mother Tells and the Night Sisters are, um. And like whenever they need to use them at their disposal, they kind of just go over there and like bully them. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Like there's um a really interesting arc and it shows how so Doc Mall has a brother his name is Savage Press. And it shows how Savage Press like became Count Dooku's like newest apprentice because Count Dooku wanted he was told by Sidious to kill Asajj Ventress because she was getting too, not attached, but, like, it was getting to the point where it looked like Count Dooku was, like, grooming her to be his apprentice, because there can only be two Sith, so she's Mm technically not a Sith, um, but that's what it looks like to Sidious, um, and it's clear that Count Dooku actually, like, cared about her in the sense, like, that's his apprentice, like, he didn't want to kill her, he, like, you know, she was there to, like, help him and she always did and she like wanted to please him because he was her master um so he thinks that he kills her so to get back at him Asajj Ventress goes to the Night Sisters and like has them like devise a plan to plant a new apprentice with Count Dooku which ends up being Savasha Press, who is Dark Maul's brother and they he eventually breaks off and like they try and kill Count Dooku and Count Dooku doesn't die obviously but um and then Savage Press is the one that goes and finds Maul, who has gone crazy, and he's been cut in half, obviously from Phantom Menace, but he's not dead. Um, he kept himself alive through the hatred of the Force, using his Sith powers, because Sith really don't die, apparently. <laughs> um, and so then that's how Darth Maul is able to come back and wreak havoc on seasons five and seven of the Clone Wars. Um, that was a tangent. Um <laughs> no, it was great. But basically that it was that's like that arc and like those characters are a great way to see kind of how the Zabrok are. And so yeah, that was why it was really interesting that they called them Night Brothers, because that was something I don't remember them calling them in the series. Mm. It's possible that they did. Um, but yeah, so they look completely different, like the women and the men as well. So I can it's like hard. I didn't know until I like, you know, watched it as a kid. I was like, oh, like they're the same people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and what's interesting, too, is that, you know, they are trying to find a balance or whatever within the Force with their own powers. But um, Asaja Ventress eventually goes and trains to be a Jedi. And her master dies, and Count Dooku takes her in. And so she turns to the dark side with her, the training that she got as a Jedi. Um so yeah, I think it's like super interesting then to know that like that's how I cause I don't remember I don't know where that um Ventress line came from, but I hadn't heard that before. So that's really interesting that like the Night Sisters are trying to, you know, they have a balance, which makes sense. And you see that in in the show that like they're not intrinsically evil. However, like they're not great, like they don't always use it for good. And Mother mm-hmm. Talzin is very like she loves getting revenge and She, you know, is diabolical. She, not diabolical, but like you know, I'm like kind of ranting at this point. But (laughs) there's like there's a lot, and like the Night Sisters are a really cool group to Mm -hmm. see, and so I'm very happy that they had Marin a part of this.
0: Yeah, and it seems so. Correct me if I'm wrong, but at some point in the Clone Wars, does General Grievous go to Dathomir and try and wipe out the Night Sisters, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's that was, what... Yeah. That was yeah, cool so, to see that they mm-hmm.
1: included that in Fallen Order when she's telling like, the story of a
0: people. Yeah, and it's not explicit either. It's like she just calls him like an armored warrior, and she all she knows is that there were lightsabers involved. So she associates the lightsabers with the Jedi from meeting Cal. So she's automatically like fearful and defensive when she first meets him because all she knows is that an armored warrior came with a lightsaber and tried to destroy her people and largely succeeded like it's just her and a whole bunch of night brothers who basically act as her servants at this point and it's kind of sad to think that she's pretty much alone there as well for so long but yeah I, I really liked her as a character I was quite scared of her at first and um, she was doing all this like teleportation thing and, we, and you know we think at this beginning that she's evil because you rock up to this planet and she's trying to kill you and kick you off and you're like I'm literally just here to like kill some spiders and get my double-ended lightsaber (laughs) you know like you're minding your own business but obviously she kind of sheds those layers the more you return and you have those conversations and you learn a lot about each other and I grew to really really like her I thought she was a cute little cinnamon roll who needed to be protected at one point you know what did you think of Meryn?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of though that was my thought process too. And like, knowing she's a night sister, I was like, you know, maybe she has a reason for being mad, and she did. Um, and and I'm not surprised that we, as an, I, th- I think a general consensus, consensus as players, as an audience, that we end up like really liking her because I feel like you know, the only other big night sister that we know of is the Ventress, and even though up until the last time we see her on screen like she's not a good person she still has moments where especially in season five with Ahsoka like she's trying to help her at some point and like she and she's doing it out of like hate and whatever because she thinks that Anakin betrayed her and like that's a whole nother thing but so yeah and so seeing that with Marin, it's and Marin is definitely She's a lot nicer than the massage ventress. like <laughs> she's just like naturally like you called her a cinnamon roll. Like I think that's <laughs> a pretty apt description of this little bean. Um, but yeah, and like it's just nice to see it's 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 kind of fun to see like this person who is like super armored on the outside, like she has all these walls up for good reason. Um, and then, like, see that break down, especially with Cal, and it's, like, super cute, and not even just, like, in a romantic way, which, like, you know, that's where it's headed, we presume, but just, like, as a friend, too, like, it's just, it's nice, and it's, like, she deserves the world, like, she deserves that, good for her.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you think it's headed in a romantic way?
1: Uh, yeah, I think that they insinuated it a lot, like, with, like, bumping hands and just, like, the looks that they give and, like, Mm -hmm. but, but it's possible that, you know, you know, in the sequel, they're, like, you know, we just are really good friends and that's okay, okay. (laughs) which I can see that, too, because they're also, like, you know, they've worked together and, like, yeah, mission with them and, like, they also have, they share this experience of being kind of the last of their people, like, yeah, there's, obviously, more Jedi than we know, but for Cal and his little microcosm, like, it's just him and Seer, and that's it, mm-hmm. um, and we don't know if there'll be more, like, we don't know who he'll come in contact to, because we don't know how his story ends at all, yeah. um, so, yeah, it's, so, I know that they have that kind of, like, kindred spirit, that kindred, like, that joint experience, in a way, mm-hmm. so I think that they really bonded on that, and it'll just get stronger, so, I wouldn't be mad if they don't get together but I do think that they like kind of hinted at that that's kind of where they're headed.
0: Okay um I never thought that until you just said it (laughs) but I think I was one of um, I don't right I don't outwardly ship anyone in this game but I saw some fan art of Trilla and Cal and they were both in Inquisitor armor and they were doing their thing and I was like I see it I see it it so bad but obviously she's dead so it's never gonna happen. (laughs)
1: Uh, well also with the update i don't know did you update it
0: you i haven't gonna... gone back to it yet since the update actually i really no, need they
1: to have inquisitor armor for cal mm. and like a red light meant to be <laughs> yes, I, I i i see it <laughs> i should but be the whole,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the whole kindred spirit thing is really interesting because she has this really nice line um towards the end where she kind of invites herself on board <laughs> she's like i'm gonna join your crew now and he's like oh and she's like yep okay bye (laughs) she just because she's got that kind of straightforward thinking and she you know it's something to do with her social skills i think with being around women on this one planet for like all of her life where she's very straightforward with how she speaks she's like um so this is where we're at now i'm gonna join your crew and i'm gonna join your mission okay cool um and she says this really nice thing where i think she has like night sisters don't travel with jedi but we're survivors and we adapt you know she says it in this nice way where she's like but you know me and you we're survivors we both come out of the other end of something we're both you know like you say almost the last of our people essentially and in situations like these it's important that we come together and i really i really like that that showed a really sweet side to her that i'm excited to see more of and how their relationships develop and i hope her and Sierra as well become really really good friends i'd really like that yeah.
1: It'll be nice to see how these, how all these characters kind of, mm. you know, how they evolve together.
0: For sure. And now that Marion has joined the crew and they, you know, they're going to continue their mission, presumably in the sequel. What do you think might happen next?
1: Well, they destroyed the, they destroyed the holocron, correct? Right.
0: Yeah. And I find it really interesting because the holocron thing so it was a list of four sensitive children across the galaxy right Mm -hmm. but when was this made it seemed like ancient I'm like will this list will all these people on this list still be alive will they be like 90 years old where you know like in my head I'm like they're gonna go through this list and none of them are gonna exist anymore (laughs) I'm wondering like how that works
1: yeah that's one thing that I'm not 100% sure of Obviously, the Jedi were keeping track somehow because they were constantly getting more kids to train. So my thought was that it was a list that was constantly being updated somehow up until the end. So this takes place about five years after Order 66. So if it's being updated up until the end, like, they start training Jedi, like right away. It's like Obi-Wan was six months old. Uh, Ahsoka was like three. So like these kids could be five years old. They could be 10, which both are too old to be trained as Jedi, like with the way that they used to do it. Okay. Um, but they could very much still be alive. I, okay. Yeah. Cause like they, they, again, they never really say like what the process is about like recruiting, recruitment. Um, but I would assume that it's a list that if it is the list or one of the lists that they were updating I would assume that it was going up until the very end so it would yeah it would be fairly recent I would assume
0: but I really just hope that a lot of the sequel is focusing I guess on their relationships because now they've all come together they've all come out the other end somewhat of their collective trauma and I think they'll you know it's a family now there was a really nice shot at the end where they were just like sat like on the sofa and I don't know if you call it a sofa in the in space but on the on the the mantis and it kind of it seems like it's like kind of like the shot in the Lush Jedi at the very end where it's like you know you've got everything you need and it's just like this little fan family you know you've got Grease on the pilot's chair you've got Sib, Mary and Cal they've all found each other and they're ready to kind of go on this journey together and I'm very excited for whatever happens next I really really love these characters
1: it's possible that they could like I said, somehow try and find more Force-sensitive kids and make their own list, but then it kind of defeats the purpose of, like, deleting that list. Yeah.
0: I feel that's really interesting because I feel like if you've got a list in front of you of, like, exactly how to rebuild the Jedi Order and that is, you know, what you've said your mission is all this time, you destroy it and then just say, you know, where to now? I feel like that's not your mission anymore. I feel like rebuilding the Jedi Order is not something they're planning to do anymore.
1: Yeah, and, like, my brother and I talked about this, because my brother actually finished the game, um, whereas I just watched, I, pl- I played the game, but, you know, I just watched the videos, but, so we kind of talked about this, and we kind of came to the conclusion that it was a way to protect the kids, okay. so, like, so we don't have, like, you know, the, like, Cal and Seer don't have the list, but neither does the Inquisitors yeah. or Vader. Um, cause that was like their whole thing, you know, their whole shtick is that the Inquisitors are killing these people or turning them to the, or converting them, I guess, to be Inquisitors. Um, so I don't know. I think that's a way to like protect them. And yeah, that like, makes sense. That's, yeah. That's the final consensus we came up with. Like, that's the only way that they were able to protect them. Cause they are only four people, three of them with force powers. So how are they going to protect all these kids? Like, if this holocron gets into the wrong hands, so yeah, that's kind of where we went. But then it's also just like, okay, well, like like Cal says, like, where to now? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're gonna do with your life, but <laughs> I would assume it's meaningful. Like, I would assume yeah. that they're going to make me look for more holocrons, like if those exist, or more force sensitive kids, or kind of just be on the hunt and like keep their ear to the ground about rumors of force-sensitive kids and, like, protect them or, like, I don't know, give them some type of skills, like, briefly that can help them if an inquisitor came. I don't know.
0: Less about rebuilding something and more about protecting the future, I guess. Yeah. Which I think is really meaningful. I really like that. Yeah. Okay. So um, we've now come to the end of our discussion, and you know how this ends. There's five quote unquote rapid fire questions yeah. <laughs> that I'm going to throw at you. And um, you're coming back for a second episode. And yeah. on the second episode, I'm not going to do this again. You get one chance on the rapid fire round, okay? <laughs> Damn it. Okay. <laughs> so, are you ready? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Question number one Favorite Star Wars movie?
1: Revenge of the Sith or Rogue One? Revenge of the Sith, but definitely Rogue One's up there.
0: Okay, Fa- uh, question two. Favorite line in Star Wars?
1: I've got two. Um, you
0: can have two.
1: <laughs> I can't?
0: Yeah, you can, you can, you can have two.
1: Well, um, the first is in Attack of the Clones, or I'm sorry, no, it's in Revenge of the Sith when Padme is sitting in the final Senate meeting, and she goes, so this is how Liberty dies through thunderous applause, and... That's always stuck with me and then in the world we're living in now it's like really stuck with me hmm. um and then the second one is in Star Wars Rebels when Ahsoka versus Darth Vader um and he goes revenge is not the Jedi way because she said she's gonna avenge her master he goes revenge is not the Jedi way and she goes I am no Jedi like chills every <laughs> single time I watch that scene which is a lot
0: <laughs> amazing um question three favorite battle or lightsaber duel
1: um i think either anakin obi-wan and avenger the sith or ahsoka and maul in clone wars season seven
0: fantastic and question four is what would you love to see next in star wars whether it be a game a book a movie or literally anything
1: I'm very excited for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series with mm-hmm. the human Greger. I'm really, I think that's the next one that's coming up that I'm really excited about. And anything with Ahsoka where Ashley Eckstein is voicing her, I want it all. <laughs> I just want it to keep coming.
0: Amazing. Um, I don't want to get into Ahsoka too much. I wanted to ask you just then about like, you know, chatting to Ashley and everything. But of course you're coming back for our very special Ahsoka episode. So I want to save all of that until then. Um, So let's go to question five, in as little words as possible, final question, what does Star Wars mean to you?
1: It might be cliche, but it means hope to me. It's something that runs through all of the movies and even within the series, and I think it's something that is hard to, it's one of the slipperiest things to hold on to, I feel, when things get tough. Hope, I feel like, is the first thing to go. Because um, everything can seem dark. And so I think especially now, that is the biggest thing. Which I think is why I've been re-watching so much Star Wars now. Because it's like, I just need that hope. And that's what it means to me. So
0: That's lovely. Okay. Thank you so, so much for joining me on this episode. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Uh, do you want to plug anything? Tell people where they can find you online?
1: Yes. Um, I'm on Twitter at Alani. A L A N I M V and my I write for showbiz cheat sheets so you can find me there as well.